Well, good evening, Living Hope Community Church. Thank you for joining us again this Sunday evening. We're so thankful and we give God praise and thanks for each and every one of you that take the time out to join us here each and every Sunday evening. Wherever you're joining us, whether it's across Canada, US, Guyana, Suriname, Cayenne, or wherever in the world, we just thank God for each and every one of you. This evening, we are going to continue in Acts chapter 3. Uh, last week we looked at Acts chapter 2, this week we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. So, um, without hesitation, I'll ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We are going to read from verse 1 all the way through verse 11. Um, the, I want to title this message here this evening, The Name of Jesus. And um, this will be a two-part series of the sermon the name of Jesus. Uh, we're going to cover the first part in a number of, uh, um, uh, we'll set the context this week and then we'll continue down in Acts chapter 3 and talk a little bit more about where the Lord is leading us. So um, keep in mind that this will be a two-part sermon series. Um, let us read God's word. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, in the meantime, I would ask you to join with me in prayer. Uh, let us look to the Lord for the blessing of his word. Uh, Father, we want to thank you this evening, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that we can come once again to worship you, to praise you, to magnify your name, to lift up your name, O God, the name that is above every other name, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts this evening, Lord, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. God, we pray, Lord, that self will not be seen, but that your name will be glorified, that you will magnify your name, God. And Lord, Father, today, Lord, we ask that you will speak to every heart that are listening. We pray that you will convict them through the power of your spirit of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We pray, God, that you will continue to encourage hearts and, and strengthen, oh God, those that are walking with you in their walk and their relationship. Father, we pray for the, that you will remove the things that shouldn't be there in our lives, that you will help us, oh God, through your spirit to, to draw closer to you in our walk and our relationship. So we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, all the way through verse 11. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, which is Peter, took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankle were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began, walk, began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking of alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And this is God's word. We give praise and thanks to God for his word. Well, praise the Lord. Um, we are continuing again. Uh, last Sunday, we looked at the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and Peter's response to what took place in the upper room. The coming of the Holy Spirit is the coronation of the ascension of Jesus into heaven, fulfilling God's promise to empower the believers. And at the same time, brothers and sisters, mark the birth of the Christian church to clarify what I mean by church, and this is important for us to make note of, when I speak about the church, I'm not talking about the physical building. I'm talking about the body of believers, the believers in Christ, scattered around every, across every nation, tongue, and tribe, wherever God is calling men to faith. That is the church that I'm talking about. In the Apostles' Creed, we, heard of, we, we, we would declare that we believe in the, 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 the Catholic Church. 
Um, that Catholic means universal. And so we give God thanks and praise because we are the called out ones, called by God and separated by God to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is exactly <clears throat> what took place on the day of Pentecost and the birth of the church. Now, immediately after this Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, we saw the, we saw the boldness of Peter in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ or the good news of the gospel. And the evidence, brothers and sisters, is that after the people heard Peter's message, they were, they were cut, the Bible says, to the hearts and responded, what shall we do? And Peter responded, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 says, so those who receive, receive his word were baptized and were added to, were added on that day, 3,000 souls give their life to Christ. The Christian church was born. God is, brothers and sisters, I want to say, has, God is doing something new. God is drawing men and women from every nation, every tongue, and every tribe. The gathering of the saints and the building of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit, which, which is demonstrated. We see the demonstration of God's power and, and presence in the hearts and lives of believers when the word of God is preached. And the preaching of the gospel is important. And that's what you see happen on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached and 3,000 souls. And the Bible says from that day on forward, onwards, people were added to the church daily. You see, the foundation of our Christian walk and relationship with Christ is the word of God. And let me repeat that again, that the foundation of our Christian walk and relationship with Christ is the word of God. When the word of God is preached, truth is made known by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a result, as a result, it's always demonstrated by, the, by spiritual growth of the believer. So when the word of God is preached, the Holy Spirit uh, changes lives and spiritual growth is being seen in the lives of believers. And that is exactly the record we have throughout, throughout, throughout the book of Acts. Some com commentators call the book of Acts the Acts of the Apostles. I'm sorry, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, this week here, we are going to focus our attention on Acts chapter 3, the story of the lame beggar that we just read. You see, the story of the lame man or beggar is one of the longest running section in the book of Acts. Now, I want to say that this particular narrative that we just read is only a portion, 11 verses. But this particular narrative runs from Acts chapter 3, verse 1, all the way to Acts chapter 4, 31. Almost two chapters alone is dedicated to this one story. What we see happen in Acts chapter 3 and 4 continue it continue as a pattern for the rest of the book of Acts. And there are several things, the growth of the church followed by persecution of the believers, and then you get the rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what you see there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, is it, was a pattern for the rest of the book of Acts. The, 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 the growth of the church, persecution, and rejection of the gospel. Now, Acts chapter 3 began with the healing of the lame beggar. You just heard me read that. Then it followed by the wonder and amazement of the crowd as they stood and they heard Peter's sermon. After which, Peter says, three, um, not only 3,000, 5,000 after this story, 5,000 men give their life to Christ. And here again, we see the demonstration of the power of God, not only in Acts chapter 2, but in Acts chapter 3, we have record of, of another um, 3 and 4, another 5,000 people give their life to Christ. This time here was 5,000 men. Later, Peter and John were arrested. So not only did we see the healing, we see the demonstration of God's power in bringing people so, but then we also see the persecution. Peter and John were arrested and questioned. And they were interrogated and warned by the Sanhedrin council not to speak the name of Jesus. These are the same group of people that rejected Christ. These are the same group of people that put him on a cross. And here they are telling the believers no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. You see, the name of Jesus was being now rejected. 
Not only did they reject the living Christ, but rejecting his name and the power that is demonstrated in his name. And it is now an offense to the religious leaders, but the disciples, brothers and sisters, the disciples were now willing to stop speaking the name of Jesus. Instead, they prayed, when you read the book of Acts, they prayed for boldness to continue to speak the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That when, when persecution arise, when rejection arise, that they prayed for boldness to continue in that? And they are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. It is, it is, it, that is what brings men to faith. And people need to hear the word. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul, uh, Peter says, And there is a salvation in no other name, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, only the name of Jesus Christ. It's only through Christ that we have, we, we have salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You cannot come to the Father except by me. And that is an exclusive claim. There is salvation in no other. So the next move, this next move of God in the lives of the apostles serves as a reminder and an encouragement to us, brothers and sisters, that the believers were not willing to stop speaking the name of Jesus. They are not going to be silent. And every one of us, those who are believers, those who are called to, call to serve Jesus, those who are called, brothers and sisters, we are encouraged to stand firm in faith. We are encouraged to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Form in faith. And the believers were demonstrating that, that they were very firm. They were rooted, they were grounded. I like what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power and against rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he went on to say, for, for not only that, but he, then he continued in that same chapter. He says, having done all to stand, brothers and sisters, stand with your loins, guard about with truth and the foundation of the gospel of peace. And that's what we are called to do, stand firm in faith, rooted and grounded in the, good, in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, where there, where, where there is revival, there will be persecution. At the same time, when God is doing something new, when lives are being changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy, the enemy will put up a fight. Yes, he will put up a fight. Persecution will come, rejection will come. Jesus says, as they have done it to me, they are going to do it to you. And Jesus said that he will, he will build his church. That is the promise we have. He will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It doesn't mean, Jesus did not, did not say that, that we will not face persecution. We will not face rejection. We will not face suffering. We will suffer. We will be rejected. We will be persecuted. Yes, we will. But Christ will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One early church father named Tertullian, over 1800 years ago, brothers and sisters, penned these words, and those words are still true today, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs, those who, are, those who lives are taken from them because of the gospel, is the seed of the church. It, it, it helps move the church and the disciples were, were in the same way. We see that in the book of Acts. More persecution, more the church grew. Christianity grew out of persecution and will continue to be so until Jesus Christ comes. But you and I, brothers and sisters, you, but we have nothing, nothing to fear, only to rejoice in what God is doing. 
and not to fear. And Paul, Paul would write and he says, that the suffering of this present time is now worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. Yes. Yes. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Paul will say that. What can separate us? Who can separate us? So the healing of the lame beggar is quite similar. The story is quite similar to the healing of the paralytic man in um, Luke chapter 5. And we see Jesus heal him. It's also a similar experience Paul experienced in Lystra in Acts chapter 14. And you can read that for yourself. The only difference between what happens in, 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 with, with, with Paul and here in Peter's um, um, Acts chapter 3 with Peter the only difference here, brothers and sisters, is that Jesus is the one doing the healing. Jesus is the one doing the healing, but he is conforming the Holy Spirit work in the lives of the believers. And that is why there is healing. That is why you see there is wonders and miracles taking place. Because it's conforming the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. And the name of Jesus at the same time is being exalted. And we see that happen in Acts chapter 3. And it will continue to do so. That the healing of the lame beggar had nothing to do with the man. It had to do with what God is doing in the lives of the apostle. And on the exaltation of the name of Jesus. Because Peter would stand up and says, After that, Acts chapter 2 give us account of something wonderful that has been happening in the lives of the believers. That, they, uh, that, they, that once the 3,000 people come to, 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 to faith in Christ, Bible says that daily the Lord added to the church, but these people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, the, and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day to those who were being saved. What an amazing work. What an amazing thing that God has um, been doing in the lives. And God is still continuing to do that in the lives of people today. So the first thing we see is that the early believers, brothers and sisters, recognized that the need for sung doctrine. That's what the account in Acts 2.42 gives us. They recognized the need for sung doctrine. Immediately they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I mean, they did not have the New Testament. They had the Word of God. They had some of the Old Testament. They had the books. They had the writings. They knew. They had the teaching from Jesus. But they devoted themselves. And that is important for us. That is important for us that we know the Word of God. We read the Word of God. That is the reason why it's important for us as believers to spend time reading and studying God's Word. You see, the believers did not have the New Testament or the Bible, like I said, but they had the teaching of Jesus. And today there's a, there is, today there is a shortage of some biblical teaching. In fact, we need, we need to get back to historical biblical teaching. We need to get back to that place. Teaching of, 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 um, of Jesus and the apostles. What we have today is more of a watered-down version of the gospel being preached. And believers are carried away with, with, with this wind of doctrine. They're carried away with this sort of a watered-down doctrine. You see, the early believers not, also re recognize not only did they need sung doctrine, not only did they need the teaching, but the need for fellowship and the breaking of bread, which is communion and prayer. This is all part of what helps us to grow in our walk and our relationship with Christ. And this is so important for us to, to, to take note of. That we need to read God's word. We need to spend time with God. We need to listen to some doctrine. And the reason why believers don't, don't, are carried away with some, with, with, with some of these watered-down doctrine is because they don't take time to read. They don't listen to some biblical doctrine and teaching. We need to get back to that place. You know, I thank God for Living Hope Community Church and what God has been doing uh, in, uh, over these past several months. I thank God that week after week for the past 25 years, brothers and sisters, my wife and I have been leading a, and hosting a weekly Bible study, something that God placed in our heart. Many of, of those of you that are listening are faithful 
in, in attending this study on a weekly basis are engaging in discussion and even in the, even in the midst of COVID, we are still able to meet virtually for fellowship. We still share in the breaking of bread and prayer. We still continue to do those things, even virtually. Since we launched Living Hope Community Church, we have seen God at work in so many ways. We were able to meet weekly for our online studies. We have seen God at work in so many ways in, in, that, in, 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 in our discussion. We were able to meet weekly for not only our online studies, but we, we have several ladies who have dedicated themselves to prayer each day. Morning and night, praying for this church, praying for the work that God is doing. They are behind the scenes, but God is using them. We have two active children's ministry, an active weekly men's fellowship on Thursday night, an active young adults group. We've just finished the Alpha group and now a very active young adults group. And this week we are going to have another baptism. And I give God praise and thanks. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to also start what is called a, a woman's coffee break. So that to encourage women of faith to walk with God and to lead their family. All of these things, brothers and sisters, all of these things that, I'm, that I just mentioned to you are done to bring honor and glory to God. It is God who is at work. You see, the pandemic and, and, and the challenges we face today cannot stop the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Cannot stop what God is doing, conforming what God said, that he will build his church, Jesus said, and the gates will not prevail against it. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of these lockdowns, we can still proclaim the name of Jesus. And this past week, God has allowed us to convert all our online messages into audio format. What an amazing opportunity we have to convert all our online um, video stream, uh, you, you, uh, YouTube uh, videos into audio format so that we can deliver it to, to people in places where internet bandwidth is limited to proclaim the name of Jesus. And people are now happy and excited about this whole opportunity that they have, that when they can stream or when they can stream it, they can listen to it. And we give God praise and thanks for that. So Jesus is building his church across this nation, around the world. And Jesus will continue, brothers and sisters, to build his church. And I thank God for what he's doing here at Living Hope Community Church. We must be faithful in proclaiming the name of Jesus. And that's what we see in the lives of the early apostles. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. That is the name. Peter says that there is no other name. The name of Jesus is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And like I said earlier, there is no other name. There is salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. And we're here to proclaim the name of Jesus. That's what we do here at Living Hope is proclaiming the name of Jesus through everything that God has allowed us to do. When we, brothers and sisters, proclaim the name of Jesus, we will see the demonstration of God's power in bringing people to faith. And we've seen that in the book of Acts. We will see the demonstration of God's power in bringing, in, in bringing people to faith. It is God who is at work. Lives will be changed. Lives will be transformed. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 says that an awe, awe came upon the people and every soul and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. God continued to use them. God continued to pour out in the lives of the apostles as they proclaimed the name of Jesus. And that's how the church grew. You see signs and wonders and I want to take a few minutes here this evening. Like I said, this, this sermon here today is to set the context for our next for a message to continue this story next week as a second part of this message. Signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. I want to take a minute to sort of explain that because sometimes it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's sometimes taken out of context as to what it means. Signs and wonders through the apostles to demonstrate. Signs and wonders were done to demonstrate God's power in the lives of the apostles. That's what it is. 
in the lives of the apostles and the believers that God was at work. And as the church grew and expanded more and more, we see the demonstration of God's power in the lives of the apostles. Fulfilling the word that Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and also the work that I do. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, Jesus said that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, he said, I will do it. What a promise we have as believers today. And that is the promise we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus said greater works than, greater works, greater works than he did, we will do. But he was not talking about greater miracles. No, 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 we can never do greater miracles than Jesus. Jesus was not saying that the apostles and believers would do greater miracles, greater signs and wonders than he. No, what he meant was that they will do greater spiritual work by proclaiming the gospel to all people everywhere at all times. That is the greater work. Wasn't the healing and the deliverance and all of that. You can't do anything because it's Jesus that is at work in healing. You can't do that. But proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to every nation, tongue and tribe is, is the greater work that we are called to do. And we see God take 12 and scatter them across and proclaim the gospel. You and I, will, you and I brothers and sisters, will see greater harvest of souls. You will see what God is doing. And that is exactly what took place in Acts chapter 2. The believers saw that great work that 3,000 people were, were, were come to know Christ. Souls were saved. And then soon after that, 5,000 men in Acts chapter 4. And you read the, and you heard me read the account there now that the Lord added to the church daily. And that's they were seeing the growth of the church. And as they continue, people were added and added to the church. And throughout the book of Acts, Acts, we have the account of the greatest spiritual work that the believers, has, that the apostles have accomplished. And that work is being done today in our world. So it's now when Jesus talked about greater work, he was not talking about signs and healing and deliverance. People take that out of context. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believer to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And I would encourage everyone who is listening to take, to, to take some time to read, to read the account of the book of Acts because it's an amazing book to read. And it will help you to understand what God, well, how God has been at work and what God is continuing to do today. Not only do we have the records of the expansion and growth of the church, but the rise of the enemy in persecuting the believers. And you heard me talk so many times about this. We see that both the religious and political authorities were now fearful of the ordinary disciples. They were fearful of these ordinary men and women. Simple ordinary men who are now empowered by the, excuse me, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Were now bold to speak the name of Jesus without, without fear of their lives. And these men were now willing to stop proclaiming the good news of the gospel. However, in our day and age, we need, we need to, brothers and sisters, pray for more boldness in proclaiming the name of Jesus. We need to pray that God will raise up men and women who will not water down the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men and women preaching, like I said, sung doctrine. And we need to get back to that place where only the gospel matters. And we need to start proclaiming the name and exalting the name of Christ. So it's not only signs and wonders. I'm going to be touching on a few things in this passage of scripture here this afternoon. So when the Bible talks about signs and wonders, the emphasis was never placed on the believers. Signs were meant to point you to something or someone. Signs were meant to point you to something or someone. Now, if you're going anywhere, you need streets, you need signs. Street signs or highway signs to help you get where you're going. Isn't that so? 
And you don't stop at the sign and, uh, on the highway and says, wow, I have arrived. You don't stop at the street sign and says, oh, I'm at the street sign and I've arrived where I want to go. No, no, no. You, it points you to the address, to somewhere where you need to get to. And you need to keep going until you get there. The thing that it's pointing to, and that's what sign was doing, you pointing you to Christ. But here what Peter will say in Acts chapter 3 and verse 22. For the man whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 42 years old. We get that. At the end of, of, of Acts chapter 3, Peter is going to declare that. Um, Luke is going to give us the account of that. For the man on whom this sign, and he said this sign of healing, because the sign had nothing to do with the man, it had to do with Christ. The work that God was doing in his life and in the life of the apostle. A sign is more... A sign is more than a miracle, brothers and sisters. A sign is a miracle with a message. And when we look at the miracles of Jesus, every miracle had a message. Because Jesus would conform what that means. So a sign is a miracle with a message. Now let me give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. Because a lot of times people may, 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 may be confused. But let me explain what that means. Let's take for John chapter 11. The healing of Lazarus. We know the story. When Martha came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, she says, Lord, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. And Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, Lord, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. You see, she believed that there is going to be a resurrection. She says, I know that. But he's dead. Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Lazarus is dead. Yes, but I am the resurrection and life. Raising Lazarus to the dead was just to demonstrate God's power. But what, what, what Martha needed to understand there that it was Jesus she needs to look to. And everyone, Jesus said, who, who lives and believes in me shall never die. It wasn't about Lazarus and raising from the dead, it was Christ. So the message is that I am the resurrection and the life. Take your eyes off of Lazarus and look to me. Do you believe this? He said to Martha. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into this world, into the world. Isn't that amazing, Martha? Then really, truly understand that the, the sign of Lazarus' death and, and, his, and, his, and raising him from the dead was to point to Christ, the greater one. The message was that I am the resurrection and the life. The same comforting words that you and I have this today. You saw the miracle, uh, the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead point to the one who has the power to give him life. It points to Christ, the one who is the resurrection, the one whose name is above every other name. So not only Martha did we find that story, but we, we also, uh, not only in this, sorry, not only the story of Lazarus, but also in the feeding of the 5,000. In John chapter 6, verse 25, and, and when the people came to Jesus, after he has fed the 5,000, they were following him. And then Jesus talked to them about signs and wonders. And then verse 29 says, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign do you do, you do that we may see and believe in you? What work do you perform? And the people turned to Jesus and said, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat it. And Jesus said to them, Truly, 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 I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. I mean, they got the bread. It was a miracle. They got the bread, they got the manna, whatever it is. And Jesus said to them, It, it, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And he's saying, you know, you look, that, that was physical. But yet, look at me now, he says. For the bread, of, uh, the bread of God is come. 
He is come down from heaven to give life to the world. And then he says, they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. And whosoever believes in me shall never thirst. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful that Jesus said, don't look at the bread. It was a sign of what took place in the Old Testament of what Moses, but God was giving that bread. But that bread was pointing, that sign was pointing to the living bread. The one that satisfies. So the miracle of the 5,000 was not about the food, but a message that only Jesus Christ satisfies our hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because if we eat the physical bread, we're hungry again. And that's what they were, were doing in the wilderness. So the message is that he is the bread of life. When we find Jesus, we find life. Physical food is only temporal. Can only satisfy for a certain period of time. We need Jesus because only Jesus satisfies. He quenches the thirst. Jesus was not only, only the bread of life, but you know, several in the, in the gospel, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the vine without me. You cannot bear any fruit. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. All those signs, all those things point to me. I am the Christ. I am the living Christ. I am the Messiah. Signs were following the believers, the Bible says, as they proclaimed the name of Jesus. It is, signs are meant to lift up the name of Jesus and to bring honor and glory to God. And the apostles were pointing people to the resurrected Christ, not to themselves. And it was clear to everyone that the anointing of, the, of God was upon these men, was upon Peter and James and John and all the apostles, that the anointing of God was evident in their life. Peter made it clear to the crowd after they, 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 they saw what, what, after they were astonished and amazed to see that a layman who they knew for all these years at the gate of beautiful are now walking and leaping and praising God in the temple. Something that they have never seen. And that's what a miracle is, that you just can't explain it. And Peter did not take the opportunity to point the people to, to look at them. No. Or what, or what the Holy Spirit was doing in, in, in their lives. It was not a reflection of them and their power. No, immediately hear what Peter says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 12. And Peter saw the, the crowd, he addressed them. Men of Israel, he said, men of Israel, why do you, why do you wonder at this? I love the words of Peter with such boldness. And I don't think he's saying it the way I am saying it. I think he said it with a, with, with a passion, with a boldness. He says, man of Israel, and I think maybe he must be shouting out with his voice with such an amazement. And the reaction of the crowd, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made him walk. So Peter turned, Peter took, Peter made sure that he addressed the crowd to turn their attention away from the man and away from themselves and, and, and says, look to Jesus. But is that so today? That is not so today, brothers and sisters. People are looking for men for answers. We see something completely different in our day and age today. See, one thing that, that, that this passage of scripture is teaching us here this afternoon is that we must always point people to Christ and not to ourselves. And what we find today is that people who claim to, perf to perform miracle, uh, healing and miracles, so-called miracle healers of faith, our eyes, believers, people's eyes are so fixated on, those, on these men. Believers are running after these men and women. Some are sending hundreds and thousands of dollars supporting these ministry. And these men and women who glory in material things, men who can afford to fly in, in, in most expensive jets and cars and live in mansion while others pay, pay their mortgages. And people still continue to do that because they look to these men. That is because we have turned our faith and turned our eyes from the living God and looked to men for answers. And Acts chapter 3 is a perfect example for us not to look to men. And that's what Peter says, don't look at us. If we, can, if we can 
if we can do exactly what the apostles then were doing, the name of Jesus will be proclaimed and we'll see the demonstration of God's power in the lives. But what you see today happening is that we have torn our eyes. People have turned their eyes and looked to men who we believe have a special anointing of God and we run after them and we pay so much money behind these men. We don't put our eyes on God. We don't put our eyes on, on what Christ is doing. We look to that man. Oh, he has a special anointing. Oh, he is anointed by God with a double portion. No, 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 no. He has no more anointing than you, brothers and sisters. See, after the day of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit power on the early Jewish believers, we saw these early converts were true to, to the mandate given to them by the Lord. In Acts chapter 1, what was the mandate? You will receive power. You will receive power, but not to glory in yourself. And when the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will be my witness. You are to be a witness of what God is doing in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. But the attention is never and the focus is never on you. And Acts chapter 3 and all the way to chapter 5 gives us an account of believers' passion. The passion for evangelism in their own community. They were ready to take the good news of the gospel to their Jewish friends and family and neighbors. And that is the reason why they were going up to the temple, Peter and John. They were going up to the temple to pray. They were still committed to their Jewish heritage. But with a passion to see other Jewish brothers and sisters come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what should be our passion and desire. is to reach out to our neighbors and friends and family and proclaim the gospel to them. We don't have to force it down their throat, but live our lives as an example of what God is doing. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1 and verse 2 provides us with, with the setting of the story. And this week we are, go, we are just going to focus, like I said, on the setting. This sermon here this week here is, a, is, is to set the context for next week or next time. So this week I'm going to quickly go through a few things so that next time when we continue this sermon we don't have to do that. There's a few things in verse 1 that I want to touch on in verse 2. Here are several things. Verse 1 tells us, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate, to, to ask alms of those entering in the temple. Now we're going to stop there. Let's focus now back on verse 1. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now, first of all, Peter and John. Why Peter and John? First thing, let's look at that. The mention of Peter and John shows that the disciples, brothers and sisters, continued to practice going out two by two, like Jesus has uh, 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 um, encouraged them to do. It was something they learned from, from Jesus. The first time Jesus sent out the 12 apostles were in the book of, of, of Mark, chapter 5. He sent them out two by two to go, and the Bible says that they went, every one of them. And he told them not to take any bag, no shoe, no nothing. But go just with a staff in their hand and preach. And they came back with good news about what God was doing in their life. And he breathed on them and he sent them out. So he sent them out two by two and that was the first encounter. Then again in Luke chapter 10, sent out the 70, 70 of them two by two. So the disciples continue with that custom of traveling two by two. Most of the time, and this was also what they were doing there was in line with the Jewish law, which requires two witnesses to confirm any testimony. So when they go out and something is done, the two witnesses were, were confirming that. And it's always us brothers and sisters, us people of God, when we go out to witness, we go out two by two. Two ladies, a man and a woman, two men, whatever it is, it depends on who you're visiting. And we practice that today as well. So not only do we see the witness, the second thing is the time of the day in which they were going. In the Jewish custom, prayers were offered three times each day. And the Bible says here that as they were going up to the temple of the hour of prayer, which is the ninth hour. Now, I want to I help you to understand this, the ninth hour, because there's a reason why this is being put in the text. There's a reason why Luke is giving us such detail of this account. In the Jewish custom, like I said, there are three prayers offered every single day. You have prayer the first 
Um, the third hour, which is 9 a.m. in the morning, which is called a sunrise, the prayer of sunrise. Prayer at sunrise. Then you have the pray- ninth hour, third hour, you have the sixth hour, which is at 12 p.m., which is called the afternoon prayer. In the afternoon prayer, you not only have prayer, but you also have the sacrifices of animals being um, done in the temple. And then you have the ninth hour. So you have the third, the sixth, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. The evening prayer, which is like the morning prayer, which is what the apostles were going to do. They were not going to the sacrificial um, prayer. Why? Because there was no need for them. Because even after the resurrection, because after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter and John and the apostles practiced continuing to go to the temple for evening prayer. Which was similar, like I said, with the morning prayer. They, were, they, they, they had no need because the sacrifice was already done, which is Christ. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ once and for all became the perfect sacrifice. And there is no more, no, no more need for that. Later in the book of Acts, they realized there was no need for those customs anymore. And they were going to give it up. They, they gave it up. They were set free from the law. From all those customs. Those things were no longer part of their lives. When Jesus came in, he changed and transformed their life. Then there are things that there are things in our life that you must be willing to let go when you come to Christ. Especially religious custom and belief that have roots deep down in the custom of, of men. And some of us have come from very deep rooted, seated religious custom. But we have to let go of those things. And that's what the believers did. So when you come to Christ, you don't have to follow after any other religious beliefs and custom and, and, and ideologies of men. You don't. Once and for all, he set you free. And he that the Son set free, the Bible says, is free indeed. You devote yourself to the teaching of God's word, the breaking of bread and the apostles' um, fellowship, prayer and fellowship. That's what we need to do. Not following after the custom of men. Now, so we went through Peter and the witness. We went through the hour, the time of the day that they were going up. And then the beautiful thing in verse 2 is that is the layman and the temple. Two things we are going to look at. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple the ninth hour for prayer. And a layman from birth was being carried. Now, what about this layman? Why it was important for us to understand? We know that the layman was over 40 plus years, 42 years. Because John, Peter, uh, Acts chapter 4 is going to give us record of that, 442. For the man whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years. I said 42, but more than 40 years, sorry. But can you imagine what that would look like for this man? And, and next week, we're gonna, next time we look at this message, we're going to touch more on, on the layman. But can you imagine for 40 plus years that this man has been in this state and condition. Now that is important for us. Everything that we're talking about here this afternoon is important for us because this story of the man also is a reflection of who we are in Christ. And the next time we're going to touch on that. And there's a reason why this story is important. So the fourth thing that we see is the temple, the beautiful gate. The temple in Jerusalem, in, in Jerusalem had several entrances and this particular entrance was known as the gate called Beautiful or the Beautiful Gate. Which is, the, the, the reason why it was called so, because it was covered from what I understand and read in, in, in some of the comment, commentaries, it, it was covered with, with, with Corinthian bronze, which was the most expensive gate and material at that time. And it was covered. And it was better than the gates that were color, covered with silver. And with gold and set in, um, with gold, it was most, most important, sorry, most expensive gate, most beautiful gate. One, comp- one commentator said that the gate itself was so massive that it took 20 men to close it. And, 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 and maybe next time we're going to look at why this gate is important for us. It is important for us, brothers and sisters, to understand the setting of, of that Dr. Luke gave us in Acts chapter 3. And why that is important for us to pay careful attention to this, these passages. And the details and how it relates to our life. So this particular story of the layman and the gate itself. Speaks of both the tragedy and the triumph of this man. And that is true for us. 
Because we are in a similar state to this man. We're in a similar state. And there is a gate also that we're going to talk about next time. You see the spiritual condition of not only of this man and the tragedy in his life, we are in that same place. And I trust God in part two of this sermon, it will, I will help you to, that the Lord will help us to understand and dig deeper into it. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for the, 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 the thank God for the word here this evening and for the name of Jesus, the boldness of the apostles and the, and, and, and the early believers and the example they said that today you and I can draw from that and live our life in relationship to Christ. So I give God praise and thanks. And I want to encourage you to take time and to read the books of Acts. Amen? Shall we pray? Wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I know this is an online service. I'd like you to pay, take some minute and pay attention. If you heard God's word this afternoon, you've been encouraged and challenged. Let us bow our heads. Let us close our eyes and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, to God, that there are so many things that we have talked about here today. That the name of Jesus, there is no other name but the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just want to proclaim and continue to proclaim your name. Because you, your name is above every other name. Your name is worthy of praise and worthy of glory and worthy of honor. Lord, you said that if you be lifted up, that you will draw men unto you. And that's exactly what Peter did on the day in Acts chapter 3. Lifting up your name, God. And not to lift up ourselves in any way or shape or form. But God, we pray that every eye will look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Every eye will look to you, the bread of life. Every eye will look to you, God, the way, the truth, and the life. God, you're not only the bread of life, but you are the light of the world. And I pray, God, as we continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that men will look to you. And those that don't know you will come to know you, Father. Whom to know is life eternal. I pray for, this, for those that don't know you today, Lord, will be encouraged, Lord, to continue to seek after you, God, that through your spirit, God, you will, oh God, bear witness into their lives to come to know you. And only you can change and transform lives. Only you can draw men out of darkness and bring them into light. Only you can take a dead soul and, and, and place your life into their hearts, God, and bring them to life. And so I pray that you will do just that in the hearts and lives that are listening to this sermon this evening. And I pray for those that are continuing to walk with you, that you will strengthen them in their walk, in their faith, in their relationship with you. We give you thanks and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you, everyone. We give God praise and thanks for his word in Jesus' name. Amen.